Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50% to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Hello, hi, and welcome. I am your host, Emma Gunnar-Wardner, and in my nearly 20-year career as a beauty and health writer, I have interviewed a lot of people, supermodels, entrepreneurs, authors, celebrities, and doctors, and many of these conversations had a real impact on me, and I'd come away feeling inspired, excited, informed, and really empowered, and at the back of my mind, I'd always think, I wish I could just publish the tape so people could really feel that conversation. Well, on this podcast, you get to feel the conversation. I talk with experts, guests, and a few friends who I hope will inspire, inform, and empower you, and maybe also challenge you. Whether you're looking for self-help, self-improvement, beauty advice, health insights, business know-how, or just some good old-fashioned life advice and a bit of a laugh. It's all here. Welcome to the show. My guest in this episode of the podcast is elite vegan sports nutritionist TJ Waterfall. Now, if you're listening to this episode when it goes live, which is the end of January 2021, then you will no doubt have spent the last few weeks being inundated with messaging about Veganuary and all the trappings that go with that. Honestly, I've had it on social media. I've had it from my online shopping sources. I've been targeted for various vegan delivery boxes and all sorts. It's been quite a lot actually recently. And there has definitely been a shift towards veganism and or a more plant-based way of eating because more and more research into its benefits show incredibly persuasive results. In fact, ever since I had conversations last year with Dr. Rupi Orjula and Dr. Rongan Chatterjee, I've been thinking myself about just making more of my meals plant-based because they say the benefits are so many and varied. In TJ's work as an elite sports nutritionist, though, he has seen it improve not just how people feel generally, but he's seen it improve people's physical performance and their recovery. However, let's just be very honest about something. Veganism gets a bad rap, right? There's that old joke, how do you know if someone's a vegan? Don't worry, they'll tell you. And that goes hand in hand with this idea that making this kind of dietary shift is really complicated, takes a lot of effort and planning and is more fuss than a pleasure. TJ is a sports nutritionist who works with professional sports people who makes a very good case for the fact that every obstacle you think stands between you and veganism or a plant-based diet is actually a bit of a nonsense and easily overcome. In fact, as you'll hear in this episode, every time I bring one of those obstacles up or I share a criticism, he's very quickly able to immediately squash them. It's, you know, there's an answer for everything and it's so good to speak to somebody who actually lives it himself but also helps other people apply it and show actually it's not difficult, it's really easy. Perhaps his best response to all the criticisms and all of the sort of misinformation out there about this kind of diet though and this kind of lifestyle is his book, The Plant-Based Power Plan, which I was very lucky to get a, a copy of before it went on sale. And it's a very comprehensive and very practical guide for not only maximizing your physical performance and recovery. So if that's very much at your the front of your mind about how you want to feel 
and whether you're particularly active and you want to improve your active performance, your sports performance, for example, but also about tweaking your nutrition to make sure you're getting enough energy, whatever it is that you're doing. But perhaps one of the things that is most useful uh, is that TJ, who is also uh, a chef, has shared 30 nutrient-rich recipes. So you're not just kind of learning the principles and the science, of which there is a lot, trust me. There's a whole section in the book just about how to read and understand the clinical data and how to know what information out there is really helpful and what information out there is just kind of marketing nonsense. It's really, really useful. And if you sometimes think, well, I kind of get veganism now, but where do I start? This book also contains proven recipes that are delicious, nutrient rich, and will really help you feel great. So in this episode, TJ and I discuss what the difference is between being vegan and plant-based, because you will notice I've used the terms interchangeably because... I kind of thought they were the same thing, but there actually is a difference. Also how to discern what information is accurate and what might be marketing blurb or not entirely true. Why a plant-based diet doesn't mean you'll miss out on key nutrients. Why cutting meat out of your diet won't mean you're missing out on protein. That is one of the biggest questions that I know TJ gets. But when I mentioned to friends that I was speaking to a, a vegan nutritionist, they said, what about protein? You will not struggle to find it elsewhere. And he explains why. The health benefits of eating a plant-based diet, both on cardiovascular health and, and the overall risk that has uh, on other chronic conditions, the reduction in risk it has on other chronic conditions, I should say. The data is really quite convincing and overwhelmingly it favours being plant-based. And then also why a plant-based diet can have such a positive effect on how you feel and so much more. Um, you will be very quick to understand that TJ's uh, understanding of veganism and the work that he's done in veganism and plant-based diet is very in-depth. There's a lot of science, there's a lot of data. Uh, so this isn't just somebody who has a few recipes. This is someone who has done a deep dive and research and also applies it to his own life, but helps other people to use it in their own life to increase their physical performance and as I said their physical recovery which I think we can often forget to talk about rest and recovery and actually our diet can really help with that too so the links to TJ his book his social media and everything discussed in this episode can be found in the show notes which can be found wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode but without any further ado here he is TJ Waterfall on The Emma Gunn Show. TJ Waterfall. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm really well, thank you. How are you? I'm excellent and actually really excited. And also, as I, listeners, we've been having a quick chat, also quite nervous because you are an elite vegan sports nutritionist. And the reason I have nerves is because I feel as though this is actually quite a challenging topic to get your head around, not least, even if you were just to look at it scientifically, quite challenging. But then you've got all of the conflicting information that's out there in the world. But you are, you very much come down to the science, but you also apply all of your knowledge about veganism and the plant-based diet in your work on a day-to-day -day basis. That's right. Um, and you're, you're right, there's so much misinformation out there. Um, and it's something I, I really try to address um, with both my clients um, and in, in the book, I, uh, I actually dedicated um, a whole chapter to uh, guiding people um, as to how to best weigh up the evidence themselves, because there is so much misinformation. Um, some of it, uh, you know, at best can be misleading, but at worst, it can even be life-threatening, some of the information you'll, you'll find on the internet. 
So I think it's really important that people understand um, what, to, what, what to believe, who to trust. Um, and so, yeah, I think it's important to sort of guide people as to, to how to do that. I was really impressed by that because long-time listeners of the podcast will know I'm not into fluff and nonsense. I really like my clinical trials. I love a bit of data. I just like something, you know, a double blind is the holy grail. I just like something that shows it to be true and not anecdotal. There's space for that, obviously. And I think it's really interesting. We've talked on this podcast before about critical thinking and how a clickbait headline to a health website or a women's health magazine can be so seductive, but might not actually have all of the facts. And then you read something else and it conflicts and you don't know where to begin. So I'm going to actually ask you, my first question is this, your book is called The Plant-Based Power Plan. Now, if you are plant-based, are you vegan? Are they one and the same? Um, I'd say there's slight nuanced differences. Um, I would say the term veganism usually refers to people who uh, adopt a plant-based diet, but they might do it for um, ethical reasons or um, environmental sustainability reasons. And so um, at the forefront of their, um, their intentions might not be um, their health and uh, you know, performance and, and recovery, those sorts of things. Uh, and so it might not necessarily be the, the healthiest diet um, whereas, oh, it, it could be, but uh, not, not necessarily. Whereas a, a, a plant-based diet and um, especially a whole foods plant-based diet, um, usually um, people would adopt that for its uh, health benefits and um, benefits around performance. So things like improved uh, energy and recovery and endurance, all those things that sort of encompass uh, performance. Um, so I'd say there's, there's slight uh, nuances, there's, there's definitely some overlap, um, but um, as a nutritionist, I um, certainly advocate, uh, you know, trying to steer towards a, a whole foods plant-based diet as much as possible. And when I was looking at the data in the book, particularly in the, the sections about the health benefit, benefits of following a vegan slash plant-based diet, it, the, the evidence is overwhelming. Obviously, you can't put into play genetic factors, but in terms of the extrinsic things that we can mm. do to support our health, the data comes back and it's, it's almost shocking how big a difference it can make to your chances of developing things like cardiovascular disease, certain cancers. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, the, the, the evidence is very strong and like you said, almost overwhelming. Um, it, it shows that a plant based diet significantly reduces risk of the most chronic, um, the, the most major and prevalent chronic diseases in the West. So uh, uh, particularly um, heart disease, cancer, type two diabetes, um, Alzheimer's dementia. Um, and in fact, several studies show that, that vegans uh, tend to live longer. Um, and I should say, not all studies agree on that. Uh, some studies show that, that vegans uh, or, or people eating a plant-based diet tend to live longer. Some studies show no significant difference. Um, but uh, I think even if vegans or, or people eating a plant-based diet didn't live longer, the science certainly shows that um, eating a whole, plant, a whole food plant-based diet can at the very least delay the onset of uh, chronic diseases. So um, 
that's still a huge, huge benefit um, because you're, you're giving yourself the best chance of living a, a healthy and active life um, well into old age. So I like to look at a, a whole foods plant-based diet as potentially um, adding years to your life, but also adding life to your years as well. That's a really nice way of looking at it. Now, everyone usually has a story about how they came to be plant-based or how they came to be vegan, which is why there's that joke, isn't there? How do you know? How can you tell if someone's a vegan? Don't worry, they'll tell you. But you are an elite sports nutritionist. And I, I guess the elite really refers to the fact that you work with professional sports people to uh, increase, amplify their performance as well as their recovery. So what was... Were you always plant-based or was that something that developed over time because of what you saw in your work? Um, it, it was a bit of both, actually. I, I have to admit um, that the, my, my initial reasons for going plant-based were um, mostly uh, to do with animal welfare and, and the environment. Um, but then uh, my, my journey into nutrition, it, it started with studying uh, human biology and psychology at, at university. Um, and that was brilliant. It gave me a really good understanding of, of how the, the human body and the mind works. And, and both of those aspects are actually really important uh, for understanding nutrition. Um, then I've had, um, I spent several years working in, in kitchens. So that was really great. I was able to kind of hone my uh, chefing skills uh, during that time. Um, and then uh, I went back to university to study uh, a master's degree uh, in nutrition at, at UCL. Um, and I'd say that's when the, the career in nutrition really took off, um, because following from that, I worked in uh, public health uh, with the NHS, um, working with communities in, in West London uh, with weight management. Um, I returned back to UCL um, to be involved in a nutrition research project. Um, and, uh, and throughout all this time, I was quite active on, on social media, purely for the enjoyment of it, really, because I, I love sharing about the things I was learning and all the plant-based food I was cooking. Um, and it was from there primarily that the requests for working with clients one-to-one -one began coming in because uh, it was around that time that the demand for working with a qualified and experienced nutritionist, but one who uh, specialized in, in plant-based nutrition really began to take off. And um, I think that's, uh, you know, I think that the um, noticing all of the uh, profound um, health and performance benefits associated with a plant-based diet and all realizing all of the um, science and uh, data that I, I learned about during university and um, the, the effects that has on the clients was, was really profound and tangible uh, results. And so, um, yeah, I guess the, the more I, I see that, the more excited I get about sharing that with other people. And I think that's really the, the, the reason I got so excited about writing the book is because I wanted to, to share that information with the, the largest amount of, of people possible. So this isn't just for professional sports people. This isn't for the listener and listeners, you're all very brilliant, but I'm, I, I don't know how many are trying to shave, you know, one tenth of a second off their personal best, which I know is something that you actually have done with people just through <laughs> yeah. their diet. Um, this, is, this is something that can be applied to everybody. It is, yeah, absolutely. So, you know, in the book, I use some of the same um, evidence-based uh, tips and advice and strategies that I use with elite level athletes, um, but it certainly applies to, to everyone um, at all levels of, of ability. 
Um, you know, people like myself, I, I enjoy um, exercising uh, recreationally or, or, or socially. I, I enjoy running and, and going to the gym. I'm in no way would classify myself as, as an elite athlete, um, but I can certainly see the results um, on myself, you know, um, improved health and energy. And uh, I'm definitely the, the fittest and strongest I've ever been. And so all of these um, uh, tips and, and the advice and strategies uh, can be applied to, to anyone at, at any level. And that can be uh, men, women, a whole range of uh, sports or, or activities, uh, whether that's more endurance-based or, or strength-based. Um, and um, yeah, like I said, all, all levels of, of abilities as well. Because I think what, I, what I've personally have understood is that you can exercise and be fit, but if you're not supporting that with the right kind of food or eating in the right way, you really don't actually feel it or feel yeah. all of those benefits. But if you get if you get that balance right between your fitness and your diet, it can feel quite, well, it, I'm sure you've seen it with clients, whether it be someone, as you've said, talked about weight management or whether you're talking about elite athletes, it can make a marked difference to how somebody just feels when they wake up in the morning. Yeah, totally. And I think, you know, most people are aware, you know, at least to some degree that what we eat can affect our health. Um, but when it comes to performance, like you said, lots of people, uh, you know, spend a lot of time training. So some athletes might spend 20 hours a week training or more, um, but invest very little time in learning about how to best uh, use their diet to support recovery and boost energy and, and power in in their training and, and in competitions. Um, and, uh, you know, I wanted to get across in the book that actually uh, the recovery from exercise, which is supported by your nutrition, is at least equally as important as the training itself. Uh, because it's during the recovery, not during the training, that your body and muscles are repairing and adapting and, and growing. So I think if you're regularly spending, you know, even if it's a, a couple of hours or a few hours a week, uh, training, then taking the relatively short amount of time to, to learn about nutrition and hone your diet, um, make all those hours that, that, that you put all of this energy and effort into much more productive, um, usually more enjoyable, um, and can ultimately lead to, to huge progress in, in your sports or activity. So let's just talk about what a beginner's guide to being vegan might look like. So is it that you would have to take a long run up and by long run up, I mean, plan your grocery shop, plan your meals, plan where you eat out in order to actually be vegan. Um, it's actually really straightforward. Um, it's, it's not difficult at all. Uh, my, my advice for anyone starting out would be actually for, for most people to start off gradually. I think, um, you know, a plant-based diet can be quite different to, to what you're used to eating, especially if what you're used to eating is a typical Western uh, diet. Um, and so uh, starting out gradually can be a, a really good idea. And, um, you know, it, that might be to start with incorporating maybe uh, three or four plant-based meals in, into your uh, weekly diet. Um, you know, finding recipes that you, you really enjoy and adding those to, to your repertoire. And starting out gradually like that, I can almost guarantee that if you do that, you'll start to feel and uh, see the uh, health and performance benefits. 
Um, and then you can take it from there. If, you, if you're enjoying that and you want to, to go a bit further, then absolutely you could go you know, more towards that, that plant-based um, uh, sort of uh, further along that spectrum. Um, or even if that's just, you know, you, you, you just stick at that, you know, three or four plant-based meals a week, there'll still be some, some um, pr profound health and some performance benefits um, to that as well. So it doesn't have to be all or nothing. You don't have to label yourself or, you know, put yourself in, in, into a box. I do believe that the further along that plant-based spectrum you go, the more benefits you'll, you'll realize. But at least to start with, um, you know, even just three or four meals a week can, can make a big difference. Do you think we have become disconnected from how food should feel? And bear with me on this one, because I feel like we almost have got to that thing of if you eat, then the feeling that you will get is a feeling of fullness. And there's almost this, dis this disconnection as opposed to, well, if I eat this now, this is how I feel will feel tomorrow. Do you know what I mean? Like we just eat to sort of fill ourselves up. Yeah, I guess you mean sort of eating uh, mindfully and, and yeah. consciously. Yeah, I, guess, I think a lot of people eat, you know, without conscious um, efforts or, or, or decisions. Uh, so, yeah, I think you're, you're right. Um, I think a plant-based diet is definitely one that does make you feel better. And so if you're, if you're on a plant-based diet, you'll kind of realize those benefits without having to necessarily think about how you're going to feel after every meal, if that makes sense. Mm. No, um, I don't. So, I yeah, I just, just because I definitely know, uh, we've talked a lot in the Facebook group, for example, about various weight issues and, I, there can almost be a little bit of a fear around food because we eat because it's a pleasure rather mm. than eating, thinking about how it might serve us, you know, in yeah. the gym or whatever, whatever, which seems to be a little bit more where you come from. So um, can we talk about rethinking the relationship with meat? Because I'm sure people listening, if they are omnivore or carnivore, they might be thinking, but if I stop eating meat, I will be unable to get protein in my diet. Mm. So let's yep. talk about that one because that's obviously one of the big the big things that comes up. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So um, protein is uh, it's a very common one. If I was given a pound for every time I was asked about protein, I'd be extremely rich. <laughs> um, but uh, it's it's a, a common misconception that it might be difficult to get enough protein. Um, you can you can work out how much protein you need. The, the average requirements in the UK is uh, it's it's 0.75 uh, multiplied by your body weight in kilograms. Um, so for on average that works out at about 50 grams a day for for women, and on average about 55 grams of protein a day for, for men. And those are the the amounts used on um, food labels, for for example. Um, and uh, studies show that uh, in, in various populations of, of people eating a plant-based diet, um, intakes of protein um, range between about 60 and 80 grams a day. So even without making a conscious effort, most people eating a plant-based diet have well above the, the, the recommended intakes. So super, super easy, even without making a, a conscious effort. Um, and of course, there, there are times where uh, increasing your protein intake can be beneficial. So um, for, for weight loss, it, it can be useful for, uh, for athletes. It can certainly be useful. So 
the American um, College of Sports Nutrition recommends uh, for more endurance-based athletes increasing that protein intake to about 1.2 times your, your body weight um, in kilograms. Um, for, for more uh, strength-based um, athletes, you could increase that even further to, to about 1.6 or even in extreme circumstances, about two uh, times your body weight in kilograms. Um, so if it's helpful, I can, I can use myself as an example. Yeah, go ahead. Um, I'm 80 kilograms. So uh, the, the average recommendation for most people in the UK, like I said, is 0.75. So uh, 0.75 times 80 uh, is 60 grams a day. So that's uh, the average uh, amount of protein um, that most people should be having uh, each day if they were 80 kilos. Um, if I were uh, an endurance-based athlete, um, then I could increase that up to about 1.2. That might be beneficial. So 1.2 times 80 is 96 grams of protein a day. Uh, if I were a strength training athlete who, and, I, and I was training frequently and intensely, um, then I could increase that even further up to about 1.6. So that would be, uh, or even up to two. So anywhere between about 130 and 160 uh, grams of protein a day. Um, and all of those protein intakes, even at the, the highest level, is still um, very easily achieved on a plant-based diet. Um, some of the what, best what might that look like? Uh, well, so some of the best plant-based sources of protein include um, things like pulses, so things like lentils, uh, beans, and, and chickpeas. They're all really high in protein. Um, there's very high protein foods like tofu and tempeh, uh, seitan. Um, then there's uh, nuts and seeds and nut and seed butters. Um, and then also people massively underestimate uh, the amount of protein in things like grains and uh, even vegetables. So th there's about four or five grams of, of protein just in one slice of bread uh, or a cup of broccoli. Um, there's about eight or nine grams of protein uh, in a cup of frozen peas. So, you know, if you were to include, say, a few portions of the, the high protein foods, then with the additional protein from uh, things like grains and vegetables, there's even a little bit in, in fruit. Um, it all very quickly adds up and it's really, really easy to, to reach those targets. Um, and that's before you've even thought about um, things like protein shakes and, and bars, which, which can be used to kind of top up your protein intake even further. Um, so in reality, it's, it's very easy to get plenty of protein, even for you know, elite level strength-based athletes. What if someone's listening to this and they're thinking, I've, I could not tell you a single day in my life when I've known how many grams of protein I have consumed. I could probably give you a rough estimate on my calories. So we're moving into macro territory here, aren't we? So, uh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, well, I was only talking about the, the sort of numbers there, ju really just to make the point that it's, it's very easy uh, to, to reach the amount. And actually in general, I don't recommend tracking macros um, or, or calories. Um, and that's for, for a whole number of reasons. Um, firstly, it's, it's very boring <laughs> and laborious. I don't know if you're, if you're a fan of it, but uh, I, I don't know anyone who's um, successfully tracked their calories or macros for more than a few months. I just don't think it's a, a sustainable approach. Um, and also it's, it's quite inaccurate. So um, even, um, in fact, there's a really interesting study 
conducted in trained dietitians, qualified dietitians, even they misreported their own calorie intake when they were tasked with, with tracking their own calorie intake. It was significantly, they, they under-reported it. Um, and lastly, it's, it's, it's quite arbitrary anyway. You can calculate roughly how much you need. So you might come up with this magical number of, of calories that, that you need per day. But in reality, your calorie and macro requirements change from day to day anyway, depending on the kind of training that you're doing or whether or not you are training, what you're doing outside of, of exercise. So whether you spend the rest of the day sitting at your desk or you might be doing some gardening or grocery shopping, uh, it depends on your level of stress, your, how well you've slept. There's so many factors that, that influence your, your calorie and macro needs. So um, yeah, I, I actually don't recommend um, tracking calories or macros. What, what can be useful for some people uh, who enjoy a little bit of uh, structure, and this is something I show people how to do for themselves um, in the book, is you, so you can work out um, roughly how many calories or, or macros you need initially, but then you can translate that into how many portions of each of the major food groups you should be aiming for each day. Um, and then that's a really easy way of adding a, a bit of structure, but it adds that flexibility in there as well. So you can still account for things like your, your training and just how hungry you are. You know, if you're hungry, then, then eat. You should listen to those hunger and fullness signals and, and eat more intuitively. Um, and doing it that way also encourages you to add more variety into your diet. And variety is so, so important from a nutrition aspect in terms of making sure we're getting all of the, 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 you, know, you know, the widest spread of nutrients possible. Um, but also it, it just makes food more enjoyable. If you're having, you know, a, a variety of different foods and cuisines um, every day, it, you know, it helps build that, that relationship with food and helps you enjoy what you're eating. So um, yes, in short, uh, for, for most people, I don't <laughs> actually recommend tracking calories and macros. So it's just a case of, and what your book's quite good at doing here is just giving you an idea of what um, the, the, the right sort of amount for the average person might look like. And that's mm. what you would, you wouldn't put it on a scale. It's just what you would see in your fridge or in your um, larder, for example. You just say, oh, right, no, I, I'm picking up that vegetable or I'm picking up that tin of whatever. I'm putting that together. So I know roughly I'm going to have probably in that meal around 50% of the protein that I need today. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And, you know, if you were aiming for uh, a certain number of um, portions of high protein foods, for example, you might have your, your breakfast and lunch and realize, oh, actually, I've only had one portion of kind of the higher protein foods. So maybe I'll try and incorporate one or two more into my dinner today. So, it's, you know, it's really simple. It's, it, it makes it much more intuitive and, and flexible, like I said. So um, if someone's listening to this and they're thinking, well, I'm not a performance, I'm not a an elite athlete. I'm just a regular person who probably does is moderately active, but I I'm, don't have any specific training goals right now. But mm. I'd still quite like to make the shift. Mm. And you say to do it gradually. When you say um, do the shift gradually, would you say, for example, cut out red meat first and move on to chicken and fish, or would you have another strategy? It 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 really depends on on the individual um and there's no one size fits all approach and that's you know that's true for every aspect of, of nutrition not just about making the switch to a plant-based diet um 
So it really depends what you're what you're comfortable with, really. It might, like I said earlier, it might just involve uh, making a few swaps. So, um, you know, you can make, if you're used to making um, uh, a minced meat, or, you know, minced beef chili, you could substitute that with a, a really nice sort of rich hearty chili that's made with uh, quinoa and beans and, and lentils and, and flavored with lots of different herbs and, and spices and things. Um, and, you know, same for, for curries. I think curries are a really great place to start because, you know, they lend themselves really well to, to, to plant-based um, eating just because they're so rich and, and flavoursome. Um, and, yeah, so it could, you could start out with making a few substitutions like, like that and adding a few more uh, meals in, into your repertoire. Your suggestion, you know, some people um, might enjoy just cutting out red meat to begin with and then taking it from there. It really depends what what you're comfortable with. Uh, if there's if, if there's any preferences um, there as well, really. Um, okay, so say I've I've moved away from red meat. I'm thinking I want to. I'm using chicken and fish to get my protein. That's okay. Like I mean, it, that obviously we're moving towards plant based. But I mean, is it that I have to start having cauliflower steaks because I've had one of those once and it wasn't that great. I'm not a fan of cauliflower steaks. <laughs> I've, I've tried them as well. And um, I think the word steak is, is highly misrepresented. <laughs> <laughs> um, but oh, I mean, yeah, do it, do it gradually. Um, you know, find the, the recipes that you uh, really enjoy and uh, that are easy, but uh, still really tasty and adding those to your, to your repertoire. Um, you mentioned, you know, I'm still having chicken and, and fish for, for the protein, but I guess it's about a little bit about educating people that you still don't need those uh, for, for protein. Mm. You can get, like I said, more than enough protein. Most people get more than enough, even without making a conscious effort. So if, if you did have some conscious effort, then it's even easier to, to get, uh, you know, more than enough protein. Because um, I think we can all think about that plate of food that we've seen in our heads or we've seen on all those information pamphlets that's like 30% red meat, 30% a potato, 30% carrot and a bit of veg. And, you know, that whole way that the plates are divided up. One of the things that um, I've heard time and time again about plant-based diets is that it, there's going, there are going to be nutritional deficiencies because how are you going to get all of these nutrients just from plant-based foods? And I, I sort of scratched my head about that because I would almost think, well, wouldn't you get more vitamins and minerals from natural things as opposed to mm. animals? But this again, must be a little bit like the protein question. People saying to you, what about my vitamin B? What about my vitamin D? What about my iron? Mm -hmm. Well, um, you're absolutely right. And actually studies show that uh, people eating a plant-based diet tend to have much higher diet, overall dietary quality scores. So that accounts for all of the, the vitamins and, and minerals. And that's because, you know, it's not surprising if you're on a plant-based diet, you eat more plants. So things like fruits and vegetables and whole grains, pulses, nuts and, and seeds, and all of these foods are incredible nutritional packages that come with an, an abundance of uh, vitamins and minerals and antioxidants and other really important plant uh, phytonutrients. Um, and so, uh, yeah, in general, um, uh, like I said, overall dietary quality scores uh, tend to be higher among people eating a plant-based diet. Um, there are um, a few nutrients that you, you 
sort of need to bear in mind um, if you're on a plant-based diet, but actually uh, th there are for every population. So for example, in, in the UK, the government recommend, recommends that everybody um, at least considers taking a vitamin D supplement, especially during the winter months, because vitamin D deficiency is, is so widespread. It's, it's up to about a third or, or one in four people. It's even higher among uh, minority groups. Um, and so, yeah, it's recommended that everyone um, at, at all stages of life consider a, a vitamin D supplement. Um, in America and Canada, um, the government uh, recommends that everybody over the age of 50 uh, take a, bit, a vitamin B12 supplement. Um, and that's because the absorption of vitamin B12 from food uh, decreases as we age. So it's recommended that everyone over the age of 50 gets their B12 from either supplements or fortified foods. Um, and, and can the absorption know, of the, can the ability inability to absorb vitamin B12 can that actually have a knock-on effect and lead to diabetes or be one of the contributing factors to late onset diabetes type two? There's um, there's links with uh, vitamin B12 deficiency and, and many uh, chronic diseases. Um, you need vitamin B12 to to make healthy red blood cells to make um, healthy nerve cells. You need it to help break down um, a metabolite called homocysteine, which is something your, your body produces. And when homocysteine levels are high, um, that's linked with uh, cardiovascular disease and, uh, and inf chronic inflammation. So yeah, it, uh, B12 deficiency is, is really important to address. And that's why in America and Canada, everyone over the age of 50, it's recommended they get their B12 from uh, supplements or fortified foods. Um, and then there are lots of other uh, examples, you know, um, even bread in the UK, uh, by law, has to. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. We fortified with four nutrients there, uh, calcium, iron, thiamine, and niacin, which are vitamins B1 and B3. Um, and that's that's introduced by law, it was in uh, back in the 1990s, I think. And that was introduced to address the widespread deficiencies in, in those nutrients. Um, and then there are more specific populations like um, athletes and uh, women during pregnancy, where various supplements uh, are usually recommended. So uh, yes, there are um, a few nutrients that it's important to, to consider um, on a plant-based diet, but there are for almost every um, population. And um, there are many nutrients that you're at far lower risk of deficiency in on, on a plant-based diet. So things like fiber, which is really, really important for, for gut health and overall health, um, magnesium, 
potassium, folate, vitamin C, all of those nutrients um, tend to be higher uh, uh, on a plant-based diet. Um, so, you know, I really don't think it's a, a, a big deal at all if, if, if you're on a plant-based diet, you need to focus on just a handful of key nutrients. Um, but with that being said, paying some attention to those key nutrients, um, which I cover in, in great detail in the book, mm. um, it will help make sure that you're getting the most out of the diet and reaping all of the, the health and performance benefits um, as much as possible. And you said something there about the, uh, what's been put into bread by law in mm. order for, for actual benefits. But let's talk about what's put into food that maybe isn't so beneficial because one of the, one of the things we can sort of say, whether you're moving away from meat, for example, or not, you're probably then going to be moving away from quite a bit of processed food because mm. a lot of the meat food that we consume is processed. But uh, quite a few people and actually in the Facebook group and my uh, learned friend, Claire Coleman, a friend of the show, they mm. all asked about the processing in vegan or, or plant-based plant -based substitutes and yeah. how they get very worried about things like all the processing that goes into vegan chicken nuggets or vegan burgers <laughs> and how yeah. there have been studies or analyses of these where it just it just looks pretty bad about what's actually in them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, I'd say those those sort of mock meats, um, they're relatively new foods. So there's, there's not actually been that much research done on the on their health effects yet. Um, having said that, there, there is, like you said, some emerging evidence. Um, there was a recent uh, Stanford University study that showed that swapping um, red meat for plant-based meat alternatives um, significantly reduced uh, blood levels of a compound called TMAO, which is trimethylamine N-oxide. Um, and that's a molecule that's uh, strongly linked with uh, cardiovascular disease. Um, and that same study also showed uh, significantly lower LDL cholesterol, which is the, the, the bad type of cholesterol when making the switch to, to plant-based alternatives. And I think in that study, they used um, Beyond Burgers, if you've, if you've heard of those. Uh, it, it, it's a plant-based burger, but they are, they're, they're pretty highly processed. They're designed to kind of really look and taste and and, uh, and feel uh, like meat. Hmm. Um, and so, you know, I'm sure those health benefits would be even more exaggerated if they swapped uh, them for, you know, healthy homemade burgers. Right. So, you know, there, there are some benefits, you know, even to the more processed options. I guess it's just about avoiding the trap of uh, relying on them too heavily. Um, as like you said, they're, they're often quite highly processed, quite a lot of added salts and tropical oils like uh, palm and, and coconut oil. So uh, my view is that they, they can be useful in, in moderation. Um, I enjoy them from, from time to time, but uh, I try and base my diet mostly around home cooked food, but that's the same advice to everyone, no matter what diet you're following. Um, and, you know, it's one of the reasons I felt it was so important to include some really uh, easy and quick recipes in the book um, to help encourage people to, to cook more meals at home, because that's the, one of the best ways to, to reap all of the, the, the health and performance benefits. One of the things I was going to ask you, I was listening to something a couple of weeks ago, I was listening to a podcast in the car, um, mm. and there was an, uh, a health expert on there with a range of uh, expertise talking about how if you make sure that your muscle mass is good, then it will... Uh, serve you very very well in old age in terms of not getting frail and what have you and then one of the things he was talking about was moving away from meat to a plant-based diet 
And the psychology of it and actually one of the impacts it has on the brain, I don't know if you have any insight on this, but essentially Mm. how when we eat meat, it triggers a very primal part of our brain that thinks that we've just hunted something down and we've feasted on the meat and therefore the body recognizes that as being a time of almost feast. And when Mm. we eat more plant-based diets, the the same trigger will think I'm between my big meaty meal and actually runs, the body runs more efficiently because it knows that it's got to use its energy slightly differently because there's no big meaty meal in the near future. Does that make any sense to you? And does that really play into the fact that a plant-based diet would make you more efficient as a sort of fat burning machine as a, you know, in performance and what have you? You know, I, I haven't come across that before. I've got to, got to be honest. I'll find the link um, and send it to you. I'll be, yeah, I'll be interested to, to look that up. Um, what I do know is that there are, you know, several proven uh, mechanisms behind the, the health benefits of, of a plant-based diet. Um, in general, I like to categorize them into to two main categories. I find that quite useful. So firstly, the fact that if you're on a plant-based diet, you tend to eat more plants. <laughs> and I know that's quite obvious. Um, But there there are even studies that that, that show that people on a plant-based diet, I think I mentioned earlier, they tend to have uh, improved dietary quality scores. And those scores account for intake of of whole plant foods like fruit and vegetables, but also pulses and nuts and seeds and things. Um, And that's really important because um, you're increasing your intake of antioxidants. Um, They help to fight oxidative stress and free radical damage and which those mechanisms are, are involved in almost every chronic disease. Um, eating more whole plant foods helps to support your gut health, uh, thanks to the, the high fiber content. And f- remember, fiber comes ex- almost exclusively from, from plants. Um, and there's so much research at the moment discovering just how much our gut health can influence almost every other system um, w- within the body. So we really shouldn't underestimate the importance of, of gut health. Um, and uh, eating more plants has been shown to be the most effective way to support a healthy weight. Uh, which again influences almost every other um, system in the body. So that's the first category of reasons that that if you're on a plant-based diet, you tend to eat more more plants. The second category of reasons, again, it's very obvious, but if you're on a plant-based diet, you you greatly reduce or you eliminate your intake of uh, meat and uh, animal products like cheese and and eggs. Um, And that's also important because there's several components of those animal products which can be detrimental to our health. So things they contain uh, like heme iron, which is the type of iron uh, found in animal-based foods versus plant-based foods, um, that can be that, that can promote the production of uh, free radicals in, in, within the gut. Um, nitrosamines um, found mostly in, in uh, processed meats like uh, ham, bacon, and sausages and, and salami, that kind of thing. Um, saturated fats and, and cholesterol, um, you know, it's been shown time and time again that intake of saturated fat uh, increases our um, LDL uh, cholesterol, which is our, our bad cholesterol, and increases risk of, of uh, cardiovascular disease. Um, TMAO, it, that's that molecule I mentioned earlier, um, that increases when we eat more uh, meat and poultry and, and fish and eggs. Um, then there's compounds generated during cooking, especially at, uh, when you're cooking meat at high temperatures like uh, grilling or, or barbecuing. Um, and then potentially uh, some antibiotic residues, uh, which can disrupt our gut uh, microbiome. So 
I, you know, for me, when you take all this evidence into account, you know, the higher intake of, of whole plant foods and lower intake of some potentially detrimental compounds in animal products, um, then it's really no surprise that, that if you're on a plant-based diet, it's been shown that you'll have much lower risk of, of the most prevalent and important chronic diseases um, in the West. It's true. So then this is where there's, we come to the issue of all the conflicting advice because you make mm. such a good case. And actually you don't just make a good case for it here. In the book, honestly, listeners, when you get to the section on the health benefits of going plant-based, you will, I don't see how you can then look, not look at a piece of meat differently. Personally, that was my experience of going through that section. But then I follow someone like Joe Rogan, for example, obviously in really good nick can kickbox can kickbox you into next week if he fancies it. But he basically lives on elk that he's shot and killed himself and jalapenos. And he would make a really good case for that. So when you've got paleo, like I have friends who at one point were making really rich chilies and grating chorizo into it because they were like, yeah, more meat, more flavor. Um, maybe not with that particular voice, but I kind of imagine it. Um, yeah. So then you've got the other side of it. And um, obviously in your job, you must observe and be aware of all of the data that's out there. And I guess one of the things to anyone I speak to who works in this sort of discipline is it's constantly evolving. There's constantly new evidence emerging, but how can yeah. there be such different standpoints? You've got people who are like all meat and then you've got people who are like all plants. How can you have, but all showing really good results? Well, I'd say the science and data supports uh, the, the, the plant-based end of that spectrum much more strongly than the, the, the sort of meat and paleo keto uh, diets. Um, certainly uh, with regards to, to the health benefits, um, but also it, it, there's growing evidence that um, it supports re uh, performance and, and recovery uh, more effectively as well. Um, and, you know, I've talked about some of those mechanisms by which a plant-based diet can uh, can improve your, your health. Um, but actually it's some of those exact same mechanisms behind those health benefits are what drive the uh, benefits in performance and recovery too. So it's things like the, the high antioxidant intake. We, we mentioned the effects of that on, on health, um, but those antioxidants, as well as improving your, your health, they also um, improve recovery, which is, uh, you know, that's really important for both strength and endurance-based um, sports. Um, and it's something, by the way, that, that can't be replicated by taking antioxidant supplements. Um, those can actually um, impair recovery. Uh, it has to come from whole plant foods just because supplements, they, they can't replicate the, the complexity of whole plant foods like fruits and vegetables, which contain thousands of plant compounds that work in, in synergy uh, when you eat them. Um, so, you know, the, it, it helps to support recovery and um, any improvements in recovery means um, better adaptations to your exercise. And it means you can train harder and more frequently. And um, the cumulative effects of, of that over the course of say, you know, an entire sporting season can be enormous. Um, then there's things like um, flavanols in, in uh, which tend intake of which tends to be very high on a plant-based diet because they're found in, in lots of different uh, fruits and, and vegetables. Um, they've been shown in, in various studies to improve maximal oxygen uptake, otherwise known as, as VO2 max. 
They can enhance uh, fat oxidation, reduce the oxygen cost of exercise. They help muscles to use um, ATP, which is like the energy currency of our cells uh, more efficiently. And all that results in uh, increased exercise efficiency and uh, overall improved performance. Um, that's been shown in, in many, many studies. Um, the lower intake of saturated fat, you know, we talked about how that uh, can, can affect health and risk of cardiovascular disease, um, but it also improves your blood rheology, which is uh, a measure of how well your blood uh, flows effectively. And again, that has implications for health, um, but it's also directly linked with uh, performance. Um, and studies have shown improved blood rheology, um, both in long-standing vegans and in more controlled trials um, within just six weeks of adopting a, a plant-based diet. Um, and then uh, there's things like dietary nitrates and, and nitrites, which are found in, in various vegetables. Um, they help uh, improve circulation. There's more obvious mechanisms like how a plant-based diet can help to reduce um, body fat percentage in, in a more sustainable way. So that improves your uh, power to weight ratio, and that's beneficial in, in most uh, sports. So you can see how um, there's lots of different mechanisms by which a, a plant-based diet can improve performance and how most of those are actually linked with those um, well-documented health benefits as well. I mean, so many of them in those at the book. I, I honestly, I think my jaw hit the floor when I started looking at like 15% reduction, particularly in female cancers mm. um, and all of those things. But listeners, I'll let you find that out for yourself in the book. But um, one of, let's talk about practically moving to plant-based because this is where your expertise can really um, help us. One of the mm. things that came up actually was about the perishability of plant-based foods and how that can be a challenge and maybe if you don't want to go to the substitutes. And I just wonder if you have any, any insight on that really, because that was something that I know uh, when I spoke to friends and said, I'm gonna be speaking to somebody who really knows what they're talking about when it comes to veganism. A lot of people said, it's just the fact that you go in with a good intention and then it, everything goes off. And- Yeah, well, I guess um, it's, it's the same advice there as for, for any diet in that, things like um, uh, planning your, your uh, shopping and meals, buying things that you're bu buying the ingredients specifically for meals rather than just going to the shop, buying lots of things and hoping for the best. Um, cooking in bulk is usually a, a really great option as well. The, the great thing about um, plant-based eating is that a lot of the ingredients can be just store cupboard staples. So I often find you know, when we're getting towards the end, when we're when we're due a big uh, grocery shop, um, and we haven't got much fresh food in the fridge, you can still make some some really highly nutritious and healthy meals with what you have in in the store cupboard. And actually, I don't think that's uh, as true for for sort of meat and um, uh, you know animal based uh, recipes. So that potentially that that could be an advantage there. So make sure your your cupboards stocked up with. Um, cans of uh, chickpeas and, and lentils and uh, you know and, and your freezer full of um, you know frozen foods as well. Frozen foods can be um, just as nutritious as, as fresh foods and in fact studies show that um, there's almost no nutritional difference between um, fresh and frozen foods uh, and if anything the, the, the frozen foods uh, sometimes have um, a higher nutrient content than, than fresh 
because uh, when you're choosing frozen foods, they're normally picked and frozen at their perfect ripeness and usually frozen within a, a couple of hours. Whereas when you buy fresh foods, they can, you don't know how long they've been sitting on the shelves and they can sit in your fridge for another few days. Um, so yeah, make sure your, your, your cupboard staples and your freezer are, are stocked up. Definitely. So in other words, <laughs> perishability isn't really, isn't really a barrier because... I don't think so. It, it's, it's, no, I, I don't think um, any more so than, than if you were buying, if you had meat and cheese in your fridge. Um, now, I like coffee. Listeners will know that I like my coffee. And a few years ago, before I discovered the, the pleasures of a, an oat milk flat white, I mm. because I'm not a big fan of dairy milk, the chocolate, I love the chocolate, not the, um, you know, not cow's milk. I used to use soy because that was the most uh, available dairy alternative. And I remember going to a lunch and sitting between two learned friends, one a nutritionist and one a longtime health and beauty writer. And I ordered a soy cappuccino or a soy flat white or something. And I, when I was younger, had PCOS. And mm. this friend just looked at me and went, with your hormone issues, you're drinking soy. What about the phytoestrogens? And I did not, I have not touched soy since. But that again is something that came up in the Facebook group of a lot of the substitutes are soy based. Will that have any implication, especially as I am female and I'm worried about hormones, endocrine system, etc.? Well, it's a, a common misconception um, about soy and its effects on, on health. Um, there have been now numerous uh, meta-analyses done. You know, it's the highest level of, of um, evidence we, we could ask for. Um, I guess for anyone who doesn't know, uh, any of your listeners, um, meta-analyses are where they, uh, researchers combine uh, the results from numerous different studies to give you the best overall picture of what the, all of the, the, the science and data shows on any given topic. Uh, so it's not relying on any single study. And uh, meta-analyses show um, soy foods to be incredibly healthy um, and they can, um, in fact, decrease risk of many female specific um, uh, cancers. And uh, for any uh, men, if you, if you have men listening as well, um, I know a lot of men worry that uh, increasing intake of soy can, uh, might decrease testosterone levels. Uh, but again, that's been shown to, to be completely untrue. The, the reason that myth exists is because um, studies uh, a couple of decades ago were conducted on rats uh, that showed the increased soy intake. Um, they contain isoflavones, which are a type of um, phytoestrogen. Um, in the rats, they did decrease testosterone levels. Um, but numerous studies have been conducted, controlled clinical trials in humans um, that show that um, soy intake doesn't affect testosterone levels um, at all, even above higher than average intakes of, of soy. So um, yeah, I, I would argue that the, uh, that the science and data um, almost shows the opposite to be true. They can be incredibly healthy. Um, there are specific mechanisms by which it can be healthy, but also um, it's the, the displacement theory, which is uh, where a lot of the time you're having soy to replace uh, things like red meat and processed meat and, you know, something like tofu or uh, soybeans might make up the, the protein uh, in your meal. Um, so there's uh, direct mechanisms and the more and the sort of displacement theory. Uh, both of those reasons can uh, mean that soy can be incredibly healthy to include in your diet. Oh, 
Honestly, every every single person I have spoken to has brought up the question uh, who works in my colleagues, I should say, has brought up the soy question. And this really brings us back to one of the problems that we talked about at the beginning of the show, which is there's so much conflicting information out there. And then there'll be one study and it's true in the beauty industry. So there's the, the data that was quoted in the 80s, I think, about aluminium in deodorant potentially being found in uh, breast cancer tissue. Mm. And that gets quoted and quoted and quoted time and time again, even though there have been many studies since that have shown that not to be a direct link. But it seems right. to me that uh, plant-based and particularly nutrition is where this happens quite a lot, where one thing gets wheeled out early doors. It seems like it's quite scary, therefore, oh, best avoid. And then you mm. speak to someone like you who is up to date with all of the evolving and growing information. And you can say, actually, based on what I'm reading, that that isn't the case. So yep. one of the useful things you do in the book is you do really hold people's hands through how to really read and, and understand what information they are seeing and really get the most out of it and know what's real and what isn't. Yeah. I, I, I've dedicated a whole chapter in the book um, to uh, to kind of show people and teach people how to weigh up the evidence themselves, because it's one of the greatest challenges I have when I, I speak with, uh, when I work with clients, is that they have so many misconceptions and uh, sort of preconceived ideas that they've heard from uh, maybe their teammates or, or friends. Um, there's so much misinformation out there, and I think it's partly because the word nutritionist in the UK um, isn't legally protected. Uh, not, not in the same way like the words doctor or dietitian are. Uh, so actually anyone can call themselves a nutritionist, even if they've just done like, a, you know, a two day online course or something. Um, and then on top of that, the whole nutrition and diet industry can be very lucrative. So we're always being told we need to sort of buy expensive superfoods or try out fad diets and detoxes or, you know, avoid certain things um, without any real scientific grounding to them. They exist really just to, to make money and, and, and make sales. Um, and then there's, there's much more kind of nuanced agendas as well. So, uh, you know, people have very strong entrenched beliefs um, around food and especially around uh, veganism or, or plant-based eating. So, you know, you can Google a very simple question and, you know, something like, um, is fruit good for you? And, you know, the science on, on that is unanimous. Fruit is incredibly uh, healthy. Uh, but if you were to, to Google it, you'll be shown very conflicting messages. So it's, it's, a, it's a real minefield. Um, and I know it all sounds quite um, sceptical or, or, or negative to, to say that. And I know there, there's some sound advice out there. Um, but I just like to encourage my clients or, or uh, the, the readers of the book to look for articles that discuss um, both sides of, of any argument. I think if you're, if you're reading an article and it's uh, very one-sided, the chances are they're trying to either sell you something or they might have an agenda or, you know, more one of those kind of nuanced uh, agendas that um, maybe they don't even themselves uh, realise. Um, and ideally, any um, advice you read should provide the evidence so you can make up your own mind depending on your situation and your goals and requirements because every everyone's um, individual they have different uh, needs um, and so yeah that's why I, I've, I've put a whole chapter in the book uh, to give you the tools you need to kind of weigh up the, the evidence your, yourself and I hope 
also in doing that, it shows people that the evidence that I uh, discuss throughout the book is, is, is all based on the, the best available evidence that, that we have. And I talk about the, 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 the pitfalls in the evidence as well. I think it's important to be completely open and, and honest about that. Uh, but on balance, um, you know, the, the evidence is, is there about the, the benefits for plant-based diet. Um, and that's both in, in terms of, of health and, you know, recovery and performance as well. And the, one of the other things I just wanted to say before we come to the end of our time together is that um, of all of the different ways of eating or the diets that you see on Instagram being touted as the next weight loss thing, it does feel actually as though plant-based diet is the one that is the least co-opted for that reason. You see people selling ketogenic shakes, ketogenic drinks, uh, various uh, protein shakes or all of these cleanses or what have you. But I don't, I actually went onto Instagram last night. I was like, right, I'm going to find like a plant-based weight loss. I'm going to find where this noise is happening. And mm. it was far less visible. And I wondered if you had any insight on why you think that is. Um, I guess it's, uh, it might be something to do with the motivation behind it. I think people who um, advocate plant-based diets generally have good intentions. Um, and it's also, um, you know, because actually the, the evidence is, is there to support it. I think when you're looking at something which isn't backed by the evidence, then I think people who, who um, are, you know, selling those, those products or advocating those kind of diets, they, they kind of need to shout about it more and, uh, you know, make more of a noise about it. Whereas uh, when the evidence is there, you can relay that that evidence and the research and, and the data and let people make their, their own minds up um, you, I don't think you have to be quite as as pushy necessarily well I wondered as well I mean if if somebody listening to this was suddenly to make a shift and go keto for two weeks mm. or was suddenly to make a shift and adopt a similar premise to the Atkins diet they would see a, an obvious result in those two weeks because it would be such a big change and mm. there probably would be say for example weight loss but with plant-based it seems like it's much more gradual and it mm. feels like it's less about weight loss it's more about which obviously weight loss trends and it's more about how it makes you feel and and the quality of your health and one of the interesting things you say in the section about health is how a lot of the cardiovascular diseases are asymptomatic for a long time before they actually manifest and mm. so the way that you eat can make them worse when you get older, but you can actually be contributing towards them. This idea that you can be 25 and eat whatever you like isn't actually fundamentally true. Yeah, no, absolutely. A atherosclerosis, um, which is, you know, the buildup of, of plaque in our arteries that eventually leads to uh, cardiovascular disease, starts as early as um, childhood. So it's, it's never too early to start thinking about your, your, your cardiovascular health and how your diet can, can influence that. Um, so yeah, I think that's, it, you know, a plant-based diet is definitely has long-term health benefits as well as the more immediate um, improvements in energy and, and performance and so on. Uh, so something like a, a, a keto diet or, you know, a, a, a low carb, high protein diet that's heavily meat-based you, you might see short-term immediate results, um, but uh, they're, you know, they're not um, exactly sustainable. Mm. They're not exactly healthy. Um, and actually the, the, the science shows that, um, again, there was another meta-analysis done uh, regarding uh, weight loss, 
that showed that um, a, a plant-based diet was the most effective of, of all diets for long-term sustainable, uh, both weight maintenance and uh, weight loss. Um, even more effective than uh, diets, they compared it with uh, the Atkins diet and even the American Diabetes Association uh, diet. Um, and uh, I mean, there's a multitude of, of reasons why that might be the case. I think you touched on um, perhaps the, the more sort of psychological um, motivation side of things. So I think most weight loss diets, obviously they, their, their, their main focus, their main goal is weight loss. Whereas if you're on a plant-based diet, um, there's usually more than one motive. So you, you might do it because you've heard that there might be some, some weight loss benefits, but usually uh, people also do it because of the overall uh, health benefits, the performance benefits. It might be to do with animal welfare or, or the environment as well. So there's uh, much more motivation to, to kind of um, stick with it for, for the long term. So uh, they tend to be much more sustainable. This is really helpful, TJ. I feel like I understand it a lot more and it's it's not a diet. The diet is what you eat, but it's more of a lifestyle change. It's something to be slow and methodical about or something to read up about. And it's actually, do you know what? From, what, from listening to you, it's a lot easier than I thought. And all the drawbacks that I'd heard about, you very quickly have been able to say, actually nutritional deficiencies, all of this, you know, getting your macros, whether you're tracking them or not they're not the big issues that maybe you've been sold that they are. Yeah, I think that the, the, the bigger picture are the, mass, the, the profound overall health and performance benefits. The, 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 what you call drawbacks, I, I prefer to call them um, considerations because I think they're just things that you might just need to consider. They certainly uh, won't hold you back if you, if you plan them well. Uh, they all revolve around just a handful of uh, specific nutrients, which are very, very easy to, to uh, correct either through making tweaks or changes to your diet or by taking um, uh, supplements or, or using fortified foods. Um, so uh, yeah, when you look at the overall picture, I think that that's a, a very small price to pay for those incredible and profound health and performance benefits. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. And on your website, do you have a sample meal? Because perhaps a lot of people will be thinking, I want to give this a go. I'm going to see, I know you've got them in the book, but um, mm. you've got 30 delicious recipes in the book. But um, yeah. if I direct people to your website as well, will they get a bit more of an insight on what how they could maybe put a, a plant-based meal together? Yeah, absolutely. I've, I've got loads of um, recipes on, on the website. So I, I think I touched on it earlier, as well as being um, a, a registered nutritionist, um, I've also spent um, years working in kitchens. Um, so I've kind of been able to hone my chefing skills during that time. Um, I also work at, um, sometimes go into a, um, the, the leading vegan cookery school in, in the country where I teach uh, vegan uh, cooking and nutrition. And so uh, I wanted to kind of use those, um, the, the, my experience in, in uh, chefing and, and cooking to create some really easy but delicious recipes. In the book, I um, also kind of link that back to, um, to the nutrients and show how those recipes can so easily incorporate loads of the really important uh, nutrients. Um, but yes, on the website as well, I've got loads of um, really easy um, recipes, which could be a great place to, to start. Brilliant. Well, I will obviously be directing people to those. I will also put the link in the show notes to the book, which is really, really fascinating because 
again, even just the how to read evidence, how to understand what the health benefits are, you lay it out really, really cleanly. It's very much, uh, and like you say, all of that clinical data is very, very seductive. So thank you so much for your time. I will obviously put the links to your social media in the show notes as well. But thank you, TJ, for coming on the show. Thank you. It's been a real pleasure. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening. I do hope you enjoyed that conversation with TJ and me. If you would like to get in touch with me, email me at thebeautypodcast at gmail.com. I don't have to say it more than once. You know I love hearing from you. You can DM me on Instagram and Twitter where I'm at Emma Guns. Or if you fancy chatting to me and thousands of other listeners of this podcast, then please don't hesitate to go to the show notes, which can be found wherever it is that you are streaming and downloading this episode and click the link to join the Facebook forum. There are thousands of us in there and it's a lovely supportive community. And I know that during lockdown, it has been such a supportive and helpful place for lots of you, including me. So please, we'd love to see you there. Answer the questions, agree to the rules, and you'll be welcomed in with open arms. And genuinely, I cannot wait to see you there. Thank you so much for listening. I will, of course, see you on the next one. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. 